Hey everybody, Bob WB here. We are back with Do the Woo, episode 64. I'm here with my great co-host, guy that just, I mean, this guy loves doing the woo, so he just keeps coming back. Hey Jonathan, how are you doing today? Hey Bob, I'm doing well. I think you're going to probably get tired of me eventually. Now nah, that's never going to happen. Nope, nope. You're you're stuck for a long time here, so you got to deal with it. Well, let's let's get in the show because it's uh, we got a great guest. Want to thank our sponsors, WooCommerce.com, as our community sponsor. Uh, you might want to check out. They have a great position open called Growth Scientist. So if you're into marketing and data, you're real nerdy about those things. Go check that out over on automatic.com. You can find it under work with us. And yeah, definitely something, you know, people are looking for a change these days. And this might be the perfect fit for you. Then there's recapture.io, an abandoned cart, email marketing solution, and also help you as far as review reminders. So kind of three tools built in one. So if you've been, especially if you've been, you know, having an issue with that abandoned cart part of it, you might want to check them out. And Sizzle, our newest sponsor, we had a podcast with them last week. Pretty interesting approach they're taking to installment payments on your WooCommerce store. So you buy now, pay later option. It empowers the shopper to purchase today and and they can make four interest-free payments over a six-week period. So check them out at sizzle.com. I should say sizzle. It's S-E-Z-Z-L-E.com. Let's get into it. Today, I'm looking at going a little bit in a different direction. I'm going to let actually Jonathan and our guest kind of take over this episode. And I think it's just looking at the bigger picture of commerce and how WooCommerce plays in that but how others play into it too, and especially around democratizing commerce. So I have Nate Stewart from Big Commerce. Hey, Nate, how are you doing today? Great, Bob. Yeah, glad to be here with you and Jonathan. Normally, I ask people how they do the woo. How do you do the commerce? That, that's kind of a loaded question that's, that we could take up the whole time. Uh, so how, how I personally do the commerce uh, would be, so I actually have a, a, a background, this goes you know, really early on in my career where I had an agency uh, and I built into mainly, the, it was all open source back in the day. That's all I lived and breathed in terms of building e-com uh, off OS Commerce and Magento and eventually into Woo and even before it was uh, you know, actually at Automatic. So I, I've kind of been on the journey and even through things that weren't necessarily um, a platform. Uh, these early days, you had a PayPal button that you had on a page that had a lot of tables and rounded corners and whatnot on there. Um, so I, I kind of have been through a journey of making it work because people just wanted to try commerce on the web to now fast forward, uh, where every day I think about it is a platform effect. Like, you know, all of us in, in the industry are more focused on what is the strongest platform for different segments of merchants and what are they trying to do? And, you know, how do we work together and whatnot? So for me personally, commerce has shifted from being a really fun learning experience. And as the web grew, I was growing and seeing everyone grow to now it's this fully fledged, very complicated industry where, I mean, especially now nowadays, it affects 
everyone. Um, and, and we're just at kind of the beginning stages of it. So Nate, you've got, uh, you have, uh, quite the storied background in the world of commerce. You mentioned the agency. You were also involved in the startup that was, if I'm recalling correctly, was acquired by big commerce some years back. Yep. Of all the things that you've done in the world of commerce, I'm curious, is there anything that stands out? Like, is there for you personally, is there anything that you particularly enjoy of that, of the different types of things that you have done and, and do? I think what keeps me excited is working with people mm. um, on both sides. Uh, so I think I, I, much of my day, much of my time, my career has been helping someone that had an idea. They had an apparel company they wanted to scale. They had, I remember one idea was someone had, uh, like they wanted to make stickers and they had a sticker machine where it would like cut out the round stickers and they thought it would scale to be a multi-million dollar business. And regardless of, uh, you know, how competitive that industry is, it's really fun to be on the journey time and time again with someone that's really passionate about something. And now I think a lot about, because myself, I'm more of an engineer hacker at heart, and I just happen to get a chance to play in product, product strategy land every day. Um, I like to look at the partners and ecosystem and, you know, they're building businesses just like, you know, the company I work for is building a business. And it really comes down to the opportunities we create. So I think that's like you and I, you know, we of course talked about in the past. I think that's more and more what keeps me excited is the opportunities others create with it. Um, not necessarily me personally, because a lot of commerce is similar. Yeah. And you're kind of breaking up the pieces in different ways that the Lego blocks, you're forming them in different ways. Occasionally new technology comes that you go, wow, I don't really know much about this, but you typically have time to catch up to that. And people are still asking about like, Bob, you're talking about abandoned cart, you know, abandoned cart is still a really big issue because a lot of people don't, they don't have that tech available to them. And even though it's easier, they are, are thinking about how do I do have the best logo and the best, you know, content on my front page? Well, you're on step one. It, it, there's like 20, 30, 40 more steps to get to where you're, you're optimized there. One of the things, Nate, that I, I really I find interesting about your experience and I've seen it in my, in my own as well is like when you mix that merchant focus with, we think of it in Wu as like the built merchants and builders, right? There's the people who are you know, the, the entrepreneurs themselves. And then those who are serving them, whether it's agencies, whether it's you know, software as a service providers, you know, it's making plugins, et cetera. And, uh, and Bob and I, we were talking about this the other day. Like there's something that's so valuable about figuring out ways to stay connected to both sides to 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 be looking firsthand like with us that's like the WooCommerce meetups right going to a local meetup and seeing when someone comes in like they don't care about all the things that we know and and all the the past experience or how it was ten years ago or even five years ago it's they're coming in with something they're trying to figure out now and in my experience and and that's what I've seen in yours as well like figuring out when you can sort of look at both sides and stay fresh in it there's something that's really powerful to then inform strategy and inform focus. And I don't know, it, it's it's easy to kind of lose that because there's so many things to get done, but I've personally found and been recently reminded, the more that you can make that an intentional thing to stay connected to what what's a new merchant trying to do today, the more powerfully you can do that, that bigger picture work. This episode is brought to you by Sizzle and their buy now, pay later plugin for WooCommerce. If you've been looking to offer your customers installment payments, I suggest you look no further. Sizzle allows online shoppers to split their purchases into interest-free installments 
which increases conversions and average order values by an average of 20%. It's also pretty cool because at the same time, it empowers shoppers financially and it helps them to grow their credit. And of course, you're giving an option to your shoppers and your customers that isn't available on every WooCommerce shop. Sezzle pays a merchant in full at checkout, and it also assumes a risk of fraud and chargebacks. I have seen for myself that it's been rated as the best buy now, pay later solution out there. It has more than 14,000 merchants and well over 1.4 million shoppers. It's available in the US and Canada and just recently entered the marketplace in India. They're also looking to expand into other markets by the end of this year. The plugin is pretty slick and it's easy to install. It'll take just a few minutes of your time and you're on your way. So I would suggest you check out Sizzle. Just go to get.sizzle.com forward slash do the woo. That is Sizzle, S-E-Z-Z-L-E. Go there and you'll get a 30 day free trial as a listener to the podcast. So let's head on back to the show. Uh, We were talking the other day about this and you brought up this idea like within WordPress we have this concept of growing to 51% of the web right and you you brought up something that I hadn't thought of like well what's what's the equivalent of 51% with commerce and e-commerce and I'm curious just to, to hear a bit more just to bring that up and talk about it amongst us you've been in this world of commerce for a long time what's your sense of like where we are as an industry as a whole like what's the equivalent of that that target for, for commerce? Well, I, I think why it's a great comparison is we're at what we were below 30% before COVID. And now maybe there's a peak where at certain times we may, may be a little bit above that, but we're not a, that anywhere near the majority, that 51%. Uh, so when you look at WordPress and what it's done in terms of CMS and people creating content on the open web, that's that's past where e-com is right now. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of what we have to do and what we could learn, uh, everyone can learn from the WordPress community and, and what Wu is doing every day in e-com is, you know, how do you link together all the different types of e-com, which are more sophisticated than content creation in many ways. Yeah. So we have to create a bridge to get us to 51% that's far more complex than the content bridge. It's something that do would I have a plan to get there to fifty one percent? No, I think as an industry though we have to to think about that and and it because everyone a rising tide lifts all boats is where we're currently at. Yeah. Um, you know if ecom gets to eighty percent, which it's going to keep growing and we're going to keep uh, using our phones and our PCs and our AR VR, it's it's not going to end that trend that started. And, you know, there's a couple different cycles, but we're only going to see it increase to where everything is more near instant and fulfillment gets harder, designing experiences that stand out get harder, uh, training your employees in in many ways gets harder because sometimes they're leaning on more of a computer to make some of the decisions. And it, it just, this complexity doesn't end. So I feel framing it in that 51%, just like WordPress does in many ways um, is it's an interesting thought experiment at least to go how do we build the bridge and and just to like put a finer point on it like is that when you think about the 51 percent that that notion here within commerce is that like offline to online transactions 
or like, or is like, is it of is the idea of, the, of all the transactions happening in the world, what percentage are taking place online? Like, I'm, how, how do you how do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think high level is a shift from the need to be physical to purchase something on on onto digital, right? So I think yeah, online you could replace that with just being on your phone or being on you know, let's say houses get smarter and your refrigerator ends up just being all right. You kind of know what I want, or I'm going to. I mean, it's hard. Some of them, some refrigerators do that, I guess, if you go expensive enough, but they're kind of gimmicky. Eventually, yeah. it'll change to where it's just a part of life that when we want something, we can compare and get it fulfilled and whatnot more in near real time. And it, it's personalized for us. And when that shift continues to happen, it, it gets harder to get to that 51% because the devices are different than what we know, the interactions are different. And and you have to have so many different people thinking about, you know, it's a global issue. Like, and how do people interact in, in India versus here? It's a completely different in many ways, how they're fulfilled and they use their devices and whatnot. So, but your question, I split it digital versus walking into a store versus having to be there in front of somebody to, to, to get your item. It's interesting too, because you also have the the integration between the two, right? Like being able to, there's future states where like you go into stores and well, sometimes this happens where people go into stores and then end up buying something on Amazon, which certainly happens, but it's kind of like, eh. but you also have, uh, I feel bad for like the small stores in those situations, but you also have situations where like you can, you'll, uh, there's a future state. What's not hard to imagine where you go into the store and shop, but do the checkout on your own device. Right. Mm-hmm. And sort of, and there's that bridging of the world for me though, where it gets interesting is that then you go back to this, like broader idea of how do we make commerce more accessible? Because there's a, there's an incredible narrative of empowerment, right? Like on the one hand, commerce for a long time, and and, and we all know this well from our experience in it, like it was really expensive to, to do some of these more complex things, right? Like as, as that complexity increases, so does the cost associated with taking advantage of that complexity. And there's a lot of opportunity there. Like as you, as you lower the barrier of entry to bring about like new, new, new entrepreneurship, people who can step in to solve problems and do things that they couldn't do before. And like COVID, this is a great recent example of that, right? Where people have been able to, to step up and do things that they, you know, might not have, uh, might not have tried before. We're like, okay, well, we kind of have to. Yeah. I, I think, I'm getting to the, for me, the part of the question I think is worth bringing out is like, why does that growth matter? Like, why does um, the the growth of e-commerce and that that concept of democratization matter? And in your experience, I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts? Like, from your time in this world, what's some of the impact that you've seen of making things more accessible? I think because you're really, you're talking the consumer, a lot of what I was talking about is how the landscape changes and how we interact and that drives merchant behavior and business behavior. Yeah. Um, but in terms of accessibility for the merchant, I think, you know, a lot of what I every day have to work through uh, with, you know, our, our teams, we're a SaaS company, you know, so we think about as part of the principle of SaaS and software as a service is you purchase it and it's, it's pretty easy out of the box. You don't really need to deal with a lot of other moving pieces. You know, historically, that has hit its limits to where, you know, you can't make every single thing easy and all the customization and flexibility easy. So you have the other end, which is open source and the open web, and that's in WooCommerce land, right? That's where, you know, every day, 
you know, that team yeah. and all of the people contributing into WordPress and, and Woo are thinking of it. How do we uh, retain ownership of everything and make it the easy comes after the capabilities and flexibility and opportunity? Um, so what I think a lot about is we need to merge those for merchants. The future platforms are those that take the best from both sides and they have the easy elements, the you know, self-starting elements of SaaS, and which, which lowers the barrier of entry across the board, but also it has the openness and flexibility um, and choice that open source and open web provide. I think we have to get to that. And, and those that are, are only focused on one, like draw the line for their base and for who they can help, because you end up having to make a binary choice. Um, so I think that's going to be blurred a little bit more. And that's what I think about a lot is blurring that line to where you're not really making a choice as a merchant. It's like, do you want ease of use? Do you want low barrier? Okay, this is what you should do. Do you want full data ownership and flexibility and you're your own developer and you want to learn like how it works under the hood? Here's this other approach. And sometimes you have to be willing to say, you know, what I'm working on day to day, maybe that's not a fit for you as the right thing to do for you. Maybe later on in your journey, Again, it's that bridge to the 51%. You have to have these transitions over to other solutions and ways of solving problems because the world changes and the merchant needs change. And one platform owning everything in terms of owning the ecosystem, owning every single potential solve of every segment, of every type of merchant for every flow, it's not that it's impossible, but is, is that what we want in the world is, is the question. I love that. So... Uh, it's interesting to see this pattern of like having your having your hands in multiple worlds, right? First, there's the merchant and builder world. Then there's like open source versus SaaS. So one of my favorite topics. Uh, this I, we have this idea in WordPress, and Woo is like right. You know, it's it's strongly affected by it as well. This idea of WordPress as an operating system. I'm curious when when you were first exposed to that, and I'm going to bring this back to like the the world of SaaS and and, and its relevance. What was your initial reaction as someone with a technical background and kind of in, in this world? What was your initial reaction to that idea of WordPress as, as an operating system? Well, I mean, to me, it made a lot of sense because I had been building off of platforms that were attempting to be something like WordPress since the beginning of my career. I think WordPress has evolved into finally being something where you could fully prototype and move quickly and test out your business case or your experience you're going for and bring in a lot of the best minds from around the world to help you solve your problem together. So I think it, it's uh, at the point now where I would have loved it as you know 20-year-old you know, in the open web that if WordPress is where it is now. I'm very jealous of everyone learning I know. <laughs> right now. You know, you have so many tools. You know, like we talk a lot about the WP GraphQL and a lot of that. Well, the more we can blend, if you look at WordPress as a part of that transition and bridge, it's not that it has to do every single thing, but there's some things it does so well and so quickly that you can prove it out to the point to where, why would you want to go through and spend your time on not the problem, right? Yeah. And so I think about a lot of, of that when I think WordPress as an operating system. I'm curious, so bringing this, so the world of SaaS, which you know well, and like where I've what I've been kind of wrestling with a bit for a, for a few years now is the sense that there's just a lot of opportunity. Like even if you just take this raw idea, and uh, of like if you're a SaaS and you have customers who have stuff on the web, 
probably at least 30% of those customers use WordPress, right? And to just think about that and say, okay, how could we serve them better? I, from your perspective, I've been in this world for a long time. Like what, what's some of the opportunity that you see for the world of SaaS? Like how would you guide SaaS folks listening to think about WordPress? I think that what we learned early on uh, from a lot of very smart and passionate people is look at the WordPress way, look at the community and the people almost first. Like what are the motivators there? And it has to be beyond just the numbers. It has to be, there are a lot of people that they've been in the community for you know, 15 years and they, it, they don't necessarily build plugins and themes and sites. They just, they love the community. And breaking through the barrier of, yes, everything can influence a number. If you're a SaaS company, you have analysts and you have great you know, analytics tools and you're always looking at the numbers and optimizing your key metrics. And that's good. That's one reason why, why the SaaS model um, is good in terms of scaling and why it gets a lot of investment is you want up and to the right and to track it and optimize. But WordPress as a community, it's optimized because it's not optimized in this weird way. Like the people are driving it so much that it's not one factor that you latch onto or like a handful. It's many you won't understand. And many that I don't understand when, you know, I see how much passion are in certain areas, but that's okay. It's because it's so big that you're going to have a lot of areas you don't understand. So I would say you, you want to start with the WordPress way and, you know, what can you add back in value? And not only in terms of what your software does, but in the way you approach the problem. Like one thing that I, I felt, and, and we, we've talked about this a couple of times in the past, what we can do and, and what I can personally do is when I answer this question, make it a little bit more about the human element and make sure that when companies come in to the WordPress community, they're not just trying to extract value because that doesn't fall into my whole career of, of actually learning off of great open source platforms on the open web, on open forums. A lot of times I search for something to solve a problem or to think a different way. It's on a WordPress site. Right. And yeah. I need to respect that as someone that's in a different type of company. You know, so I, I would say that's where you start. And then a lot of the other learnings come from that in terms of, okay, how, could, how do we break up the problem to where like the first step we can test solves enough value, but we're also coming across like spending enough time in the community to, to add back. And we've been two and a half, maybe three years on the journey this far into building our plugin. And you know, it's a constant learning experience. And a lot of it is completely different than how we think about other types of products, because it's not always data driven from here are analytics. In fact, like we don't have any analytics in our plugin. Why? Because that's the WordPress way. Like we're, we have to learn off of the community. We can't go to like normal SaaS land and say, let's just apply all the principles we learned and throw it into this community. Um, not saying that wouldn't work, but I think you're going to run into a lot of I don't know, it's just silent pushback, maybe like from, you know, everyone knows that's just kind of not the right way to perform. You go to WordCamp, people are kind of like, mm, I see that you have a plugin, but if you have a theme or you have something, but I don't know. I mean, what have you really done though? Like in the community. This episode is brought to you by Recapture Abandoned Cart Recovery and Email Marketing for WooCommerce. Anyone who runs a Woo shop knows how frustrating abandoned carts are. And getting them back with ReCapture is easy and setup takes less than five minutes. With their ready-to-use emails, you can take them out of the box and start working for you right away. You'll save time having to start from scratch. 
Abandoned cart emails are managed for you automatically as the email service runs outside of your store, ensuring the best delivery to your customers. Their easy-to-read analytics reports will help you to monitor your cart recovery. And what's really cool is that you can watch what is happening live on your store with ReCapture's live cart feed. The plugin is highly optimized, so you don't have to worry about it slowing down your site. And their guarantee of email delivery, traffic increase loads, and support make it a valuable investment compared to all those free plugins out there. From what I hear, if you sign up, you'll be joining thousands of merchants who have already recovered over $115 million. Make sure and check them out, and as a listener, get 60 days free with ReCapture. Just go to recapture.io forward slash do the woo dash special. And now back to our conversation. Okay, so I, I got a unique opportunity here because I've got Dave from Big Commerce and Jonathan from WooCommerce. And you both have the same goal and mission in mind. Your objective is democratizing commerce, but you have different audiences. So how do you see WooCommerce and Big Commerce complementing each other in this space? And I'll start with Nate, and I'll let Jonathan chime in what he wants to reflect on what Nate mentioned. Um, I, I think for many merchants that come to Big Commerce and they're look, they're testing in an idea and they have design shops or programming shops and they have they built a lot, they built some things before. Many times they don't understand what they are capable of without spending any additional resources from what they have. So at that point, WooCommerce up and do, you know, at certain point, which depending on your business model could be, you know, different, um, is, a, is a better fit for them. It's not that we don't cater towards merchants that are starting out like that, but there's a lot of room there. And there's actually a lot of competition, which, you know, if we focus too much on there, we're adding uh, a lot of noise and it's not as much value as we can. So there's a subset of that, however, that are a great fit where they already have these ambitions and all of these complex connections and whatnot, where we have pre-built SaaS things for them. And it's like, okay, well, to build that with WooCommerce and, and WordPress, you're actually going to have to do a lot of learning that, that you maybe don't want. It's kind of outside your wheelhouse. So that's kind of the way, way I think of it. And I also think of it you know, in a way around, you look at some of our SaaS competitors in, in Woo. We want to, again, that, those bridge, that bridge that I, that I talked about, like to build that is really important in, in our strategy to make sure that there should be a compelling reason that you're using big commerce or woo and you stick with it. And at any given time, you should be able to say, hey, you know, I, I need a different solution. Or what if you have a different brand or you have multiple sites or you sell in multiple regions? There might be a combination for you down the line. So I, I tend not to be as prescriptive. It's more of really trying to, to talk, if, I'm, if I were to talk to a merchant about what do, you, what do you need? What do you want to handle? What do you not want to handle? Do you want to handle your PCI compliance? Do you want to handle certain things like that? If you've been a developer before, you've been through that because you put a payment gateway in your site, you, you might not care. But others that for the first time selling online, maybe they care more. But a lot of what I try to focus on, I think that the company focus a lot more is that scalability through the mid-market and beyond. So we, we focus a little bit more, definitely from the, the Woo side, you call us enterprise, right? So there's a handoff there of 
when people come to us and they say, hey, I'm on WordPress, I'm really happy that, that you built the plugin, they're typically at scale. We, ha- we do have merchants that, that start out with it, but it's much more the merchants that are truly, truly happy are like, you know what? I really love that I get to stay in WordPress. I get to use what I know. And then I get to lean on you for these other things that I now know my business needs. And that's really where, where especially in the WordPress community, um, we think we fit with Woo. We, and I personally have tried to think a lot about how we make this a positive relationship and not one where one wins, other doesn't. Um, if it's sheer volume, WooCommerce is going to win in their own space. It's a question of, do you want one winner for any ecosystem? For us, because we scale, because of the way we price, because of the way we support, because we're a SaaS company, it's better for us to focus on the merchants that need it and we'll get a lot of value. And we'll also, by chance of us connecting into WordPress, they, they continue to stay in the community they, they love. So I know that's a lot, but that's kind of how I try to frame it day to day. There's a few ways that I think about this. First, there's the idea of what a SaaS is capable of. By having a team, I forget how big you guys are, but you have a big team and you have a lot of expertise built around commerce and you have all this experience built up. Like There's a lot of things as a SaaS because you're focused that you can get really, really good at. And there's all this capability. And and when I think about just WordPress broadly, it just makes so much sense. If you have WordPress as an operating system and Woo is kind of like, it, it's almost like a, a sub, a flavor of the operating system focused on commerce is kind of how I think about it. But if you, if you take this idea, then it makes so much sense to bring together the best of what SaaS offers with this open source platform at the heart of it. So, so there's that part. Just by its very nature, it's like there's a bunch of inherent benefit to big commerce that it can bring to merchants. Then if you take that focus on that mid-market and enterprise, like the, the way that I think about you know, Woo's strategy, uh, so take, let's take Shopify for just a moment. Shopify is, has done a lot to democratize commerce. At the end of the day, though, I don't have confidence that they're the best champion for it because of this, the inherent, like they think of themselves like a retail operating system. That's their f- kind of focus. And I, you know, without knowing for sure, my guess is that their preference would be that it's all on Shopify, right? And so I don't think that's good for the open web at the end of the day. So contrasting that where, you know, I think about what Woo's strategy is and the way that you know, we think about it is, well, we're going to lower the barrier of entry even further, which is to make it easier and easier for the brand new merchant to get started because they can they can do that, you know, they can do that in as bootstrappy a way as they want to because it's using open source technology and also cut off the very high end where merchants who, you know, a big enterprise need the most flexibility and they want to like really own the whole stack, they can do all that themselves. Right in the middle though, there is all this like that mid market and up where I like I to me, the ideal situation is to let them stay in WordPress and stay connected to that open web ecosystem and be able to work with someone like Big Commerce who can enable that to happen because there's that aligned broader interest. Whereas someone like Shopify, at least as I see it today, it's just they just want the whole thing, like everything over here. Like let's we want we want all aspects of this stack here. So that's where I kind of see that compliment where we at Woo can continue to focus on lowering the barrier even further across the entire ecosystem while retaining that like flexibility at the very high end where people just want to own the whole thing. And then right in that middle spot there, 
I see you guys being really well positioned to keep people in WordPress and continuing to, to just grow that direction. To add on what Jonathan said, you know, we think a lot about these areas of lowering the barrier, which are very, very complex that used to take, you know, millions and millions of dollars to even get started and going where now you have like kind of a switch where there's a platform that can kind of connect in the right way and has it pre-built. Now you do lose certain things that depending on the characteristic of kind of what you know, what you want, if you want to own it and run the server and all of that, sometimes you won't get that. But in other ways, maybe you don't want that anymore. Maybe you're shifting. And again, a merchant, I've seen merchants shift and not even merchants, people building websites back in my early days, the agency, they'll shift platforms around and eventually they come up with kind of the right mix for them. Um, and But we did go through a period of time where lowering the barrier meant, uh, especially in SaaS land, every single thing is lowered. And you hit like this critical mass where no matter how big the company is, it's hard to do that. And there's there's other companies, which I really respect, that have gone, they have kind of a similar mindset, just, you know, it's, very, it's, it's a giant version of it, like Microsoft. Um, I really respect that Microsoft has taken, maybe not everyone believes what they always do, but they've taken a very open web, open, just source mentality and they've reaped the business benefits of that yeah and so for me there's very clear signs that the strategy can pay off and and both sides can win yes and you can have this enterprise sector mid-market and you can have the you know the smaller down market which many times doesn't mean small revenue doesn't mean small ambition it just means that you don't have a lot of moving pieces yeah, that, that's a that's an excellent distinction in my mind. It's that it's the moving pieces. As complexity goes up, you start to get into things like, okay, I've got multiple warehouses here. That I got a lot of fulfillment opportunities and possibilities. I'm shipping to a lot of different places. It get, it can get complex pretty quickly. And there was a time where that was relegated to only the those with the most capital to be able to pull it off. And Folks like yourselves have done a lot of work to to bring that barrier down and make that accessible. It's still a complexity though. So. Just curious, Nate, from your drawing from your background and experience, when you look at Woo at broadly, what are any any high level thoughts and opportunities that you see for improvement? Improvement when you think about the ecosystem as a whole. Like you made the point earlier of sometimes, like if you stay too focused on open source, you can end up missing out on some of the benefits and vice versa. If you could just sort of wave a wand and kind of give guidance to the broader Woo ecosystem, what stands out to you? Uh, I I think that. And this is kind of hairy territory because, you know, I'm I'm not an expert by any means in Woo and WordPress, and I'm a happy community member at this point, right? So anybody that listens to this, please don't come hunt me down. But I, I, I think over the past three years, what I've seen is the automatic team and the Woo team, because I think they both they have similar strategies, you know, down this path, they're adding in elements of like Jetpack-esque, like the SaaS side of, of automatic, if you will. And there's a lot of benefits there. And I think that will pay off experimenting more in, in that direction. However, a lot of the way it's introduced to the community sometimes can actually, I think, turn off um, other, sometimes even platforms from investing SaaS type solutions into WordPress. Because the way Jetpack, Jetpack, if that's like the SaaS beginner, like most people start with that in WordPress. They understand, I pay for this thing. It gives me this capability. And Woo now is starting to have more capabilities there that may speed up their dashboard or you know fulfillment or whatever other things that might be added there. If that's not rolled out smoothly and, and be, is used as a pattern for others to invest in the ecosystem, 
you kind of start to build a platform that doesn't resonate with the WordPress way, right? And mm. I, th- I think it's just something to keep in mind, right? As you're going too aggressively and not having a kind of, a, does the ecosystem know why you're making the decisions you're making? And can they also, can they build their plugins like that? Is there any learnings where now WordPress, as go back to your, you know, uh, WordPress as an OS, that blend was really thought through. It would open up the capability for it to be more of an operating system, right? And it would be more companies, maybe like Big Commerce, would be investing for years to to build on top of it. But they wouldn't run into maybe some of the, the mistakes that you have to learn yourself, right? So we had to learn a lot about what is the right way to um, integrate an API and cache, and you know where, what is the appropriate handoff between you know, what is the SaaS side and what is the, you know, the WordPress angle, you know, what you own and and the code that you can see. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, you're you're absolutely right. It was interesting to watch you guys go through that journey. And I've said this before, big commerce, at least from my perspective, it felt you're ahead of the, you're ahead of your time. I think we'll look back at some point as WordPress continues to grow and the the idea and my hope is that we lower the barrier of entry for SaaS companies to have success. But you guys had to work through a lot of that yourselves. And yeah, anyway, from my perspective, I think you guys have done a great job. If nothing else, and you've done a lot of good things, but also just being patient and giving it the time and space that it needs and continuing to show up and continue to make improvements. I've seen people come in and just like, oh, we're going to try something. Ah, it didn't go quite the way we thought. So we pull out, we abandon it. And it takes, it's a long game, but it's an open source. Man, once that flywheel kicks in, the momentum gets building, then you, you, those benefits are very real and tangible. Yeah, and I think that I've learned other things being in the WordPress community. And as a company, we've been, we've had validations happen or we've been pulled in certain directions. Like one really good example um, is Gatsby. We had seen merchants use Gatsby and, you know, Gatsby is popularity wise. It's no, it's not news to anyone that Gatsby has you know had more and more impact on on the open web and in general. Yeah. Um, but there's this overlap that happened at like WordCamps where I like saw the Gatsby you know team there and people are using Gatsby. There's Gatsby talks with GraphQL and we're looking into GraphQL and it, it's like a lot of that is is a beautiful thing to see because it will create so much more of the next generation of open web, open source, and of WordPress. I try to latch on to and learn like why do people love these solutions and and why do they want to combine them and sometimes it takes longer than i would think for it to catch on like i actually thought gatsby would have more going on in the wordpress community at this point but because they have what you said that long investment cycle i have no doubt that they will influence a lot in there and they will benefit long term because it'll just become easier and easier to have that level of kind of sophistication if if you want it as a developer excellent well, I'm glad we had you on. I, I love getting different perspectives and that's the whole drive behind this podcast is we want to get the bigger picture. You brought some of that in. So I'm going to real quickly thank the sponsors again, and then I'm going to have Jonathan close it out. Of course, WooCommerce.com. Like I said, check out that growth scientist position. Pretty cool sounding. If you're interested or out there looking, I know a lot of people are looking for changes and looking for employment right now. So uh, check it out, automatic.com. Check out recapture.io for your card abandonment and sizzle.com. Make sure and listen to the last episode because you'll learn a lot more about where they come from and their WooCommerce journey as well. 
So thank you guys for listening. Um, also, Bob, I appreciate you mentioning the growth scientist position. We did just recently post that. That is directly on the team that I'm on. So it's an amazing team. If you have any interest and you're listening or you know someone, be sure to send them over. We're, we're very picky, and but that's, that's an exciting growth opportunity there. Uh, you can subscribe to Do The Woo in your favorite podcast app, which most of you have already done. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure that you sign up for the newsletters on bobwp.com. And uh, if you haven't, become a friend of Do The Woo as well. Uh, Bob's been growing that out, and I think uh, got some exciting things planned for that in the future. So thanks for listening. <laughs>